Okay, that was it. All right, 1 Peter, chapter number 3. Whew. You ready to do this? If you were here last Sunday morning, it was a mind blower for sure. Would, would you not agree? And uh, I, I kind of put a preface on it at the beginning. I said, this is more of a Sunday night type message or lesson than it is Sunday morning, but we're going to hack at it and we're going to run at it. And I had a lot of people say, whoa, wow, never thought about that. Wow, that, that fills in a lot of gaps and a lot of blanks, and that's what church is for, right? So uh, we, and if you didn't, if you weren't here, uh, there's, a, there's another announcement. Joel is our new, not just new, our first ever official. Uh, Steve-O's been doing it, and I think Christy and Nicole's been our social media. We're, we're hip, we're cool, right? We've got a social media. But he knows stuff that Twitter and what's the quote thing well all this he was telling me all this stuff i said there's all that too to keep up so he's our guy <laughs> huh he's tweeting right now <laughs> he's tweeting right now um so he is uh he's going to put the messages on all that stuff so get hooked in with all that stuff and and um it There you go. So you can just, it'll automatically jump to your phone when you're uploading. There you go. T like, don't even have to try. You, you, can listen to, you can listen to my jaw rattle without even trying. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> so if, if you, uh, and that's not a, ooh, we can just stay home now. No. <laughs> <laughs> that is for a, uh, I'm taking the preacher fishing and we're going to be gone next Sunday. That's what that's for. Then it'll be a blank spot the next week. But it's, it, we'll figure it out. Just take me fishing with you, and, and we'll be all right. But anyway, so if, if you missed it, uh, go, to the, go to the church's Facebook. And if you don't have that, get with Joel, and he can, because there's ways to do it without that. So, um, and it's all magic to me. I don't understand any of that. But anyway, we, we covered uh, uh, verse number 20 last week. We're going to look at that again today just because it ties in. So 1 Peter chapter number 3. Verse number 20, uh, let's pray and roll and go. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning, Lord. Uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, Lord, the folks that have uh, come out this morning. We uh, thank you for the, the folks that are parking this morning and uh, uh, benefiting the uh, New Life Clinic there in Lebanon. And uh, Lord, we uh, just pray that you would be with us in the message this morning, Lord, that you would be uh, lifted up, uh, that you would be glorified. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would convict hearts in here this morning. Uh, Lord, that we would be able to fill some gaps and some pieces in uh, through Scripture. Uh, Lord, that you would uh, uh, encourage us and that, Lord, that your will would be done. And we pray that if someone in here this morning is not saved, that they would be saved today uh, before it's eternally too late. And we pray all this in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. All right, 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 20. We've been preaching through the book of 1 Peter here for some time, and we're just kind of going verse by verse. And uh, I think that maybe recently we preached on this subject. I can't remember. I know, if, I, I think it was fairly recently, um, but we're going to do it again if, if that's the case. I don't keep my notes, so we just kind of go, and, and we're not skipping any verses or any topics as we're going through this, and we're going to... We're going to hit on it again here in verse number 20. Uh, we talked last week about those sometimes, sometime were disobedient 
and that, were, that was the angels that gave up their first estate. And uh, I, I, I think this, I, if Christy tells me that I'm probably going to die young. I don't know why. I don't know if she has a plan or what, but it sounds like she has a plan, doesn't it? But if I do, I, I want to be at heaven like, just watching everybody's faces when they walk in because I think they'll just be like, this is not even close to what I thought. And um, I think our, our picture and our perception of what angels are is the same way. I think we're just going to be like, what? Are you crazy? Uh, where's the babies and the diapers and the harps and all that stuff? It, it's, that's not it. So last week we talked about these angels that left their first estate, uh, which was heaven, and came down to earth. And uh, that's why we had the corruption that we're going to hit on here again in this verse uh, on the face of the earth. And uh, so that's those which sometime were disobedient. That's, that's the angels from heaven. Uh, continuing on, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being subject unto him. Now, I'm going to steal a joke because I don't tell jokes very often. And Keith's not here this morning, but a couple Sunday nights ago, he told us a joke. And he said there was this... Uh, uh, I don't, it might have been, I don't know if it was a joke or it might have been a, I think it was a true story. It was a truth. It's not a joke. His nephew was talking. He said, look at that rainbow. He said, God, God drew that with his left hand. And they said, with his left hand? How do you know that? And he said, because Jesus is sitting on his right. <laughs> there we see it. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God. So it just, I guess I thought it was just a real sto true story, but that's just the way kids perceive things. Well, Jesus is sitting on his right hand, so I guess he's doing everything left-handed. Uh, so anyway, we, uh, we, we covered last week this, uh, uh, this amazing um, kind of uh, not preached about um, doctrine, about the fallen angels and the corruption of the flesh on the face of the earth. Now, this really ties together, and I didn't intentionally mean for this to happen. It's an amazing when it does. When we look at church service and the message and the lesson and then Sunday school and we tie them together, it, it's an amazing thing because it just kind of shows that if you uh, attend Sunday school in church, it kind of draws all the lines and, and draws everything together. And what we talked about in Sunday school this morning was that how when God created the heaven and the earth, and created man and, and everything, that we go from darkness to light. We're drawn from darkness to light. And I think so many times we think and we hear and we perceive that we're all children of God. Well, that's not the case. We're all born in darkness. We are all born dead inside. And we're brought from death to life. We're brought from darkness to light. And uh, we, we see this uh, happening here. Uh, in First Peter, and then I gave Cody some Genesis verses, and we're getting ready to roll there. You can't talk about Noah without going to Genesis, can you? <laughs> so we see that the earth was created perfect. Man, Adam, and Eve were created perfect. There was no rainy days. There was no thorns and thistles. There was no, uh, there was no sin until sin entered in. And then once sin entered in, that's why we all die. That's why I'm getting to heaven before all of you, I guess, or Christy does have a plan, I'm not sure. But that is why we have cancer, 
That's why there's wicked and evilness in this world. That's why the evening news even has a job because that's the only thing they do is report on wickedness and, and this sin-cursed world that we have. That's the reason that we have the flu. That's the reason that we have even hangnails <laughs> because of sin and because of that sin that one day you and I will take our last breath and then eternity begins. Because we are made up of a body, soul, and spirit, and our soul will never die. It will continue on forever. We can see this flesh. We, we, it's not hard for us to conceive this flesh. We take care of this flesh, don't we? We put paint on it, and we give it all haircuts so, it can't, so nobody can tell that their hair is falling out. We cut the hair really short, and uh, we, we, we put some deodorant on it so that it smells nice and some perfume, and we pretty it all up with jewelry. We take care of this flesh, don't we? Some better than others. <laughs> Some better than others. We diet to keep this flesh small. Some people diet. Some people run for fun. We were talking about that in Sunday school. It makes no sense, running for fun. But you, you, you do that to keep this body in good shape so that it lasts longer. And really all it amounts to is you're just going to die healthier than the rest of us. <laughs> if you do all that, you're going to die prettier and healthier than the rest of us because if you ran 10 miles a day, only eight carrots, you're, you're still going to die because of sin. <clears throat> so we see that because of sin, the entire world changed. And let's look at this. Let's go to Genesis chapter number uh, 6, I believe it is. Genesis chapter number 6, and we'll see the condition of this earth uh, and what it was like. In verse number 8, oh, we got to hurry. I babbled too much. Verse number 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Well, there it is. There it is. Even in the Old Testament when some people say that in the Old Testament they had to obey the law to be saved. No. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What is grace? Let's ask ourselves that question. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. That's what grace is. And mercy is not getting what you do deserve. I had a guy that asked me the other day, he was texting me, and, and uh, he said, how are you doing? And I just felt like complaining. <laughs> Anybody ever do that? You just kind of have one of them days. How, are you, how have you been this year? I just felt like complaining. We, don't we all kind of get like that? And I even had the first line typed out, and I thought, and I hit the delete button, and I said, better than I deserve. Not the fact of it. If you look at life that whole way, see, our flesh nature is just to go, Oh, it's been miserable, nothing ever, blah, 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 blah. This is going on, that's going on. and Nope, I'm, I'm doing better than I deserve. And that'll make you say, let's go on with today, let's rock this thing. I'm get, I do way better than I deserve because what I deserve is not all the blessings in life that I have. And that was, that was his whole premise of texting me. Hey, I hope the Lord's blessing you today. Okay, thanks, you too. How is it going? Well, and I thought, you idiot. <laughs> Better, better than I deserve. I, I think we could all say that. Couldn't we all say that? Even in the darkest, downest times, uh, hey, way better than I deserve. I, I, know, I know the thoughts that go through my mind. I, I know the intentions of my heart. I, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing way better than I deserve. If I could just get our kids to think that, <laughs> get our kids to realize that, hey, I'm, I'm doing better than I deserve. You're right. Yeah, that, that's so true. So we see here, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Look at this, verse number 9. These are the generations 
of Noah. Noah was a just and perfect, just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Now this is where it kind of ties over from last week because we talked about this strange thing that, that went on the face of the earth. And apparently Noah's generations, what's a generation? It's, it's a time of people. You know, we talk about our generation. Uh, this, uh, not to be confused with the millennials, that's not my generation. Uh, that's, I think that's your guys. You're millennialists over there. Yeah, yeah, you millennial. Yeah, yeah. We, got, we got several millennialists in here. Man, what a bad name. <laughs> I think I'm Generation Y, I think. They're like, why? what do we do with them? I, yeah, I don't know. Just put them there. They're, they're not really complaining yet. They're not really doing anything yet. It's just, that's, that's my generation. We're just there. That's, that, that's my generation. But it, but it goes even deeper than that. My generation is this. My dad's sitting back there. I, I'm his generation. I'm his, you know, we say, I think I used the illustration last week, I'm the second generation from Kentucky. He was the first. I'm the second generation from Kentucky. Uh, his dad was from Kentucky. And so I'm the second generation from Kentucky. So what that means, our family line. And when we study a subject in biology in high school, what do we study? Genetics. And if you have anything to do with cattle or hogs or sheep or stuff, you, you pay top dollar for those good genetics. And that's what we're talking about here. Noah was perfect in his generation. His, his genes were not contaminated. So God chose Noah out of all the corruptness that was on the face of the earth and said, Noah, you and your family. <clears throat> Look at this in verse number, uh, verse number 10. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So we see what the condition of the earth was at this time. It was corrupt, and the reason it was corrupted was because of sin. Sin had corrupted the face of the earth, and not just sin, but these uh, angelic beings that left their first estate had corrupt the face of the earth. So God chose Noah and his family because their genes had not been contampered with, and also that he walked with God. He knew who God was. He respected God. He walked and talked with God. <clears throat> and then we see that his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and look at this in verse number 12. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence. Through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So God has a conversation with Noah, and he said, This earth is corrupt. This earth is violent. And the Bible says that later on that their, their thoughts and intent were only wicked and evil and violent. Boy, it sounds a lot like what's going on today, doesn't it? Kind of sound like a similar generation of what we live in. We have corruption, we have violence, we have death, we have sin, rampant everywhere. Uh, it sounds a lot like what we got going on now. And God says, because of this, I'm going to destroy the whole earth. This must be where that mean God comes into play, you reckon? This must be that mean God of the Old Testament and then the New Testament God, He's all love. And it must be where this comes into play. Hmm. Well, wait a minute. We just read in 1 Peter that the long-suffering of God waited while the ark was preparing. God could have just said, wham, wiped out the earth right there. Now, that would be pretty violent, corrupt. 
did he have the right to do that? Yeah, yeah. Because God is just and because God is holy and because this earth is not just and this earth is not holy, he had every right to do that. God doesn't have to tolerate sin. God does not tolerate sin. He had every right and justification to cleanse the whole earth right there, stick a new atom on it, and start all over, didn't he? Had every right to do that. You know what? That wasn't part of his plan. We looked at that in Sunday school this morning with just the creation itself, that there was sea on the earth in those days is just proof that God knew what was going to happen. And we have an ocean today because of that. That was Sunday school. We don't have those on recording. Just come next week. Don't wait until November. Just come next week. <clears throat> so we see that that was God's forethought and His omnipotence from the beginning. And look verse number 13. <clears throat> And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through men, and behold, I will destroy them from the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms thou shalt make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it within without with pitch. That's, we don't use that word a lot nowadays unless you've ever worked at a, you ever cut down a tree or Michigan, they've got trees that's full of pitch up there, and that's, that's that wood tar sap it's we call it kind of but it's even thicker than sap it's this white stuff and you can heat it up and seals wood that's what that word means <clears throat> verse number 15 and this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits the breadth of it 50 cubits and the height of it 30 cubits a window thou shalt make in the ark and in the cubit shall thou finish above it and the door of the ark Shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories, thou shalt make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein the breadth of life from under heaven and everything in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy son's wife, with thee. And of every living thing of flesh, two of every sort, shall thou bring into the ark and keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Of the fowls of, of their kind, I think God must be a sexist there too. He's dividing them like that. Of fowls of their kind and of cattle after their kind and every creeping thing in the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thee, and take thou unto thee a flood, that it, uh, a food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather to thee, and it shall be for food for thee for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So we see that this plan unfolds, and God told this one guy. How many of you have been to the ark down in uh, Kentucky? I, for, I forget. Has anybody been to the ark in Kentucky? Great. Oh, you, you cheat. That's right. You cheated. Great. Great. We've been, we've been talking about this and kicking this around for a while. I think that the church should go on a field trip. What do you think? Think we should do that? I think around Christmas, I know we're all busy, but they're probably going to have lights and all kinds of stuff. We, we've had an inside, we've had a spy that goes down, they've got passes, and they go down and check on it every once in a while. And, and uh, I need to call him and find out if it's close to completion because it's, it's a couple years old now, but they've been kind of working on it. And it, was it pretty complete when you guys were there? That was this spring. 
Oh. You got the idea there, right? Okay. <laughs> maybe let's kick that around about maybe taking a church field trip uh, around Christmas time. Maybe after Christmas when it's things slow down a little bit. I don't. We'll talk about that. But uh, we turned around the parking lot, Christy and I. <laughs> Has anybody done that? You can't do that. They want to charge you. <laughs> we pulled in, and I'm like, huh, it doesn't even cost to park. And it said no entrance, and there was like, okay, we got to go out this side. So we went around that side, and they had the gates there, and they wanted to charge us then. I said, oh, dear, it's going to charge us $10 just to drive through the parking lot to get a glimpse. I said, we're just turning around. And he said, all right, and pushed the button and let us out. So I thought, oh, my, we're going to have to pay just to look at it. But it's huge. It's, it's neat. You can drive in the parking lot, drive out, might cost you. But anyway, it would be a good uh, church field trip to go down there and take a look at it. So we see that that huge copy that they have down there is what God told Noah to build. And uh, I haven't been down there, but I've studied it, and it'll fit. That's one of the naysayers and the Bible correctors and the agnostics and atheists. They say, well, not everything will fit, but it'll fit. In fact, it fits to a T, exactly what God told him to do, and the size and the design and everything fit perfectly. What Now, if you, if you don't know the rest of the story, here's what happened. <clears throat> We've got to speed this up. All the animals, two of every kind, seven of, seven of the clean, went in, and, and food and straw and hay and water and stuff, and I guess, <clears throat> went into the ark. God sealed the door, Noah and his family. Eight, remember that from First Peter? Eight souls entered the ark. God sealed the door. God saved them. Saved them from what? Saved from what? You know, I hear, I hear people say that. You Baptists use that word saved all the time. Saved from what? We're saved from sin. <clears throat> That's what we're saved from. We're saved from sin. What was outside that ark? Sin. Wickedness. Violence. Corruption. That's what we're saved from. Do, do you know, I mentioned deodorant earlier that we all make ourselves smell all pretty. Why do we do that? <laughs> so we don't stink. Weird to talk about in church, but hey, you go a couple of deodorant, and what do you get? You're like, it's corrupt. It's corrupt. You go three or four days working in the heat that we've had and not take a shower. What? Whoo, it's, it's corrupt. It, am I It's kind of, that's what we do. That's why we put this perfume on, and we make it smell nice. Have you ever walked into a locker room? Does it smell just beautiful and nice? You're all going, what is that? That's corruption. That, that is the, some of you are like, what are you, where are you going? That is, the, that is the contaminants that is coming out of our body, and it's corrupt. It doesn't smell like roses. I, I, have, I have no desire to go to other countries that don't use deodorant. <laughs> like, I, I'm not too keen on that. I've been to the flea market before. <laughs> and, and we try to mask that corruption up because it's not pleasant. That was the world that Noah was going into that ark. They were coming out of that corruption. Now, I mentioned that last week, the smells and the fragrances that baby Jesus experienced at his birth because he was going from a perfect heaven, his majesty, coming into this earth, and he had all those town smells and all the barn smells. That's what baby Jesus first came into and took his first breath. Just, just think about that. I mean, that shows you the difference between our earth that we're used to 
hey, if you work next to the stinky guy or gal at work, you kind of get used to it after a while, don't you? Unfortunately, you, you do. It, it, how many of you ever ever raised hogs? You kind of get used to it after a while, don't you? And, and until you get away from them for a little while, and then you come back to it, you're like, "Ooh, is that what I smell like all the time?" <laughs> that you get used to it. We're used to this smells that we we get. But what are what is that? Most of the time, it's it's the corrupt world we live in. So God put Noah and his family and all those animals in the ark. I'm sure it didn't smell like roses in there either. <laughs> they were leaving all the corruption the sin-cursed, contaminated, violent world behind, and God destroyed it. Hey, do you know what, they were, what, what was happening? They were being divided. They were being sanctified. They were being separated from the world that was doomed and damned into that ark. Did, did you notice that there was just one door? There was only one way into that ark? I bet that was accidental. You think that was accidental? Get all those animals in there and not have an emergency exit? You know there wasn't a fire chief around or that would have never flown. They'd have been over capacity, no emergency exit, no sprinklers. You don't need sprinklers in a flood. <clears throat> but they, they, they put all of them in there and they only went in by one way. And then the rains came down. And then when they fast forward all this, then when they stepped off the ark, it was fresh and new fresh and new, peaceful, no violence, fresh and new. God saved them from that old world to the new world by doing what? Placing them into that ark. That's how he saved them. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter number 3. And we're going to begin verse number 21 again. The like figure... What does that mean? It means it's a figure. It, this is a, 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 a picture, a reenactment, a typology, a, a fragment of what happened. This is a figure. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Let's read that again. And I'm going to add a word and see if you can figure it out. The like figure whereunto even water baptism doth also now save us. Did you catch the word I added? I added water. I added water. Why did I do that? Because that's what a lot of denominations do. Because we're thinking, well, what saved, what saved Noah and his generations? Water. So this like figure of water must be the same here in the New Testament that Peter's talking about. Do you know that you can't find water in baptism once you get out of the book of Acts in the New Testament? It's like the baptismal water's dried up. It's an amazing thing. Because we think baptism, we, uh, I put this in email lately, but if you have been saved and not baptized into water, you need to do that. It is a like figure of marriage with Jesus Christ. It is a like figure with joining Him. It is a like figure of a testimony that you are now a Christian. It's a like figure. It's a picture. So if you've not been baptized, hey, get with me. We've got a tank downstairs if you're afraid of snakes and alligators. And if you're not afraid of snakes and alligators and piranhas, we've got a river out back. <laughs> we'll take you right out back and baptize you. Place you into the water. Hmm. I bet that's what the word baptism means. I bet the word baptism means place into. 
It does. It means placed into. So we can baptize you. We can place you into the water out at the river. We got a cattle tank downstairs. We can place you into that. Just like Noah and his family was placed into an ark and saved from destruction. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder what else the word baptism could refer to. I bet we could be baptized into the Holy Ghost. I bet we can do that. You know the Bible says we can do that. We can be baptized with the Holy Ghost. We can be placed into and He placed into us. It's a dual indwelling. Hmm. I, I bet we can be baptized into the body of Christ, can't we? I bet we can be placed into. Well, look at this back here again. We're, we're, not, we're going to be right on time. Verse number 21, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Keep going. Not the putting of the way of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience towards God. Here it is. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what saves us. That's exactly what saves us. How do I know that? I'm glad you asked. I didn't give you this verse, Cody, but he's so quick on the gun. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Verse number 1. The Apostle Paul wrote this, and he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye also have received, and wherein ye stand, by which ye are saved. Oh, there's that word again. Which you're saved. What are we saved from now? We're not saved from the destruction of the earth by a flood, but we're saved from our sin. And we're saved from the destruction of the earth to come in the future, but we are saved from our sin. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Hmm. I wonder if somebody could believe in vain. We just said it's possible, right? What does that mean to believe in vain? Hmm, I wonder. Look here, verse number 3. For I declare unto you first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried and that He rose again a third day according to the Scripture. This is how we're saved. This is exactly how we're saved. Wonder, wonder why that is. Well, see, when you and I were born, we were born into darkness. We were born into sin. We were born dead inside. We, we've covered, we covered this last week, too. Just bear with me because this is the gospel. And when we were born, we were born from the genes of our father. That guy back there is where I came from. That's my genes. That's my generation. He's my dad. He's wicked and sinful. He might look all right, but he's wicked and sinful. <clears throat> Why? Because his dad. Don't let my grandpa fool you. He was wicked and sinful, and he came from Kentucky, so you know he's really bad. <clears throat> and on and on and on and on and all the way to Noah. His father was 14 generations removed, Adam. So we have a fleshly line all the way back to Adam. We're all related. We all have that sin nature. We're all contaminated. That's why we have to wear deodorant. That's why we have to shower. So we all come from that line. Do you know that's one of the reasons we sweat? And sweat's what makes us just so aroma. And we all come from that line, from Adam. So we're all born in darkness. We're all born in death. 
And because we're all born in darkness and because we're all born in death, we're all going to die someday. And if we continue in that same state, we'll not go to heaven. Ever wonder why we won't go to heaven? Because if God let one sin into heaven, that one sin would contaminate and corrupt heaven. So he can't let one sin into heaven. Just one little white lie, sin? No. Just, just the sin of obedience. I mean, that's not that big a thing, right? Not, not doing what you're told or doing what you were told not to do. That seems like something small, doesn't it? Oh, wait a minute. I think that's what Adam did, and that's why we have sin on this earth in the first place, because he was told not to do something, and he did it. So if God lets one sin into heaven, it will contaminate heaven and he'll have the same mess that we have here on earth. And God, and God is just and he will not let sin into heaven. So God had to have a place for sin to reside. So God created a place called hell. Oh, don't say that. It's 2017. You're not supposed to say that word in church. That's like politically not correct. Well, no, it's Bible. God created a place called hell and the Bible specifically says this for the devil and his angels but guess what sin entered the earth we're attached to our sin God has a place to put sin and that is hell forever get this not to be paid for what you mean I can't just go to hell for like a week and pay for my sins no you mean I I, I mean I, I well there was that high school thing I went through. You mean I can't just go to hell for like a year maybe and pay for sins? No. No, you, you can't pay for sins in hell. Because if you could pay for your sins in hell the entire time you were in hell, you would be thinking to yourself, I wonder how much longer I'll be here to pay for my sin. Sin can't be paid for in hell. Sin can only be paid for by one thing, and that's a sacrifice. We covered this last week. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is the innocent dying for the guilty. The just for the unjust, Peter said. That's the only way sin can be paid for. And yes, sin has to be paid for. So if you've ever sinned, and I, I know you have, I know you're no better than that. <laughs> and the Bible says, for we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous no, not one. We're all in the same boat as it is. We've all sinned. There's not a person on the face of the earth that's not sinned. So if we've sinned, our sin has to go somewhere, and it goes to hell. That's where darkness resides. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who is that? Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate perfect sacrifice. Well, what makes him so special? It, that's what the Muslims want to know. That's, that's, what, that's what the Jehovah Witnesses want to know. Why is Jesus so special? What's so special about Jesus Christ? Oh, he was born of a virgin. How does that make him different than you and I? That's the only time that's ever happened. His father wasn't Adam. Think about this. This is interesting. Another one of these Eric Cockmanisms makes me mad. <clears throat> Do you know the Bible never records but one time Jesus Christ ever sweating? Think about that. How many of you sweat yesterday? It was hot yesterday, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, who's sweating now? <laughs> Who was sweating before I turned that up? Ed said, thank you, brother. <laughs> we, we, we all sweat. And only one time.
all the travels, Jesus to and fro everywhere in that desert environment, only one time does it record him ever sweating. And do you want to know, it wasn't like that watery stuff that leaks out of me. <laughs> Last Saturday, I said, man, I'm leaking because I went through two shirts setting up for our fall day. And uh, what is that? That's, that's stinky stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. If I hadn't remembered that shirt, my first shirt in my truck, and if I'd left it there all week, and with the windows up, that's contamination. And it? it's not, it's, we all know that. But in that desert environment, with no air conditioning, and no cars, and no trains and planes, Jesus Christ walked everywhere and worked, mind you, carpenter, carpenters for Christ this coming Wednesday. Uh, he was a carpenter. He worked, but he didn't sweat. Only one time that he sweat, and the Bible says it was great drops of blood. Not that poisonous, polluted, corrupt stuff that comes out of you and I. You know, I wonder if his disciples ever thought of that. Like, Jesus, it is hot out here. Why aren't you sweating? ever noticed that. I wonder if they ever picked up on that. Why? Because he didn't come from Adam. He didn't come from the corrupt flesh that you and I did. He came, he's God's only begotten son. That's what makes him special. The Bible says he was tempted in all points such as we are and yet he didn't sin. He didn't give in to that temptation. He was perfect in every way, shape and form. Every thought, every deed, every action, even his body was perfect. And you know, he was willing to lay down his life to be the sacrifice for you and I, to pay for sin that he had none of. He was willing to pay for my sin. He's willing to pay for your sin. If you believe. Isn't that what Paul said in 1 Corinthians? And if you don't believe in vain. If you acknowledge, I've sinned and I've come short of the glory of God. And because of that, I'm going to die, and I'm going to hell. Not by God's plan, but that's what happens. But God's plan, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God gave us the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And that gift is His Son, Jesus Christ, if we're willing to receive it. If we will make that transition, that's that receive a sacrifice Jesus Christ so let's look here verse number Peter one first Peter chapter number three one more time first Peter chapter number three verse number 21 the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us there's that word baptism again what is baptism it's placed into do you know when we get saved, the Bible talks about this transition that takes place, this moving from darkness to light, this moving from old to new, an old man with a new man, and the new man moves inside. That new man's not me. That new man is Jesus Christ. That new man is the Holy Spirit that indwells. What does indwell means? Put into baptism. That because this we've been put into the body of Christ, we've been put into the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost has been put into us, baptism, that's what saves us. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what else makes Jesus Christ so special. Seems like we only talk about it at Easter, right? No, we should talk about it every Sunday. 
Because what makes Jesus so special? Why he laid down his life? Because for three days and three nights, he laid in the tomb. But then something miraculous happened. He rose from the dead. Why? Because he conquered death. He conquered hell and he conquered the grave for you and I. That doesn't just happen every day. <laughs> I can't make myself do that. Can, has anybody else ever died and come back to life? No. The Bible says you're, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. I think the doctors might get some things confused sometimes, and they might declare somebody dead and it not be true. But no, we, we, our, our soul only leaves this body one time, and one time only. And after that, it's the death. Nobody said, I died went to... Went to heaven and saw my uncle and my grandpa, and then like three weeks later, I was banging on the casket, and they dug me back up. That doesn't happen. <laughs> Usually people might have some stuff go on, and they write a book about it. <laughs> but you, you never hear somebody saying, well, they buried me, and then they had to come, and or everybody was at the funeral, and I sat straight up. <laughs> you, you, we don't hear stories like that, do we? It doesn't happen. It only happened once by Jesus Christ. Well twice he made it happen a couple times but that's that's his his business not mine why is that because he saved us by that sacrifice if if we're willing to receive it the reason that i mentioned that water earlier is because some denominations will teach this that our water baptism is what saves us let's think let's break this down a little bit and then we'll get out if our water baptism saves us Who's doing the saving? Hmm. Is it the preacher that dunks you? Is that who's doing the saving? Or maybe when you filled out on a... We don't have this check on our cards, I don't think. If you filled out on a visitor card, I want to be baptized. Does that what saves you? Or is Donald and Ginger going down and weed eating the banks and getting it all pretty for us so we can take somebody to bat. Maybe they're the one that does the saving if that's the case. Or maybe it's the fish that swims by. What, what does the saving? Is it the water? No. The only thing that will save you is the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was applied to the mercy seat, the true mercy seat, the Bible says, in heaven. That's the only thing that will save you. That's it. And that happened 2,000 years ago. That's the only thing that will save you. Why did that happen? Because his blood's precious. We covered that in 1 Peter chapter number 1. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can save us. Our blood's contaminated and corrupt. But his blood is precious. His blood is special. Not mine. I don't even want to go into those gory details about what the miraculous things that happen on the side of the road after something dies. That didn't happen with Jesus Christ, did it? Why? Because he's special. He's precious. He's not corrupt like you and I are. That's the difference. If we're willing to accept that sacrifice. <clears throat> we had a, a fall day. If you missed it, man, you missed it. We had a fall day last Saturday. Hot dogs, cotton candy, snow cones, inflatables, all kinds of stuff. Guess what you had to do to, to pay for those hot dogs? nothing <laughs> someone else paid for them all you had to do was say I'll take one of them hot dogs and hold your hand out and comes and girl throw water in your face but <laughs> all you had to do was just go up and receive 
That's what a gift is. It's a gift. A gift from God, just like the Bible said. If you're willing to how do I do that? Sounds like it's got to be really complicated. I mean, this whole Christianity stuff, you just went through whole... Do you realize we just almost the whole earth history? I mean, that is complicated. That is deep, heavy stuff, right? How can I receive this gift from Jesus Christ? How, how, can, I, how can I do that? Just like they did with the snow cones. Could I have one? That, could I have that? And all those little kids got in a line. They held their little hands up. And then maybe the second time they were sticky hands. And, and that's how they did it. Asking and receiving. Do you know the Bible says, tells us exactly how to be saved? Romans chapter number 10 says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What? It's that easy? Yeah. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How do I call upon somebody? How do, how do you do that? Has anybody been around an 18-month-old ever in their life? What does that 18-month-old do? My wife was reminded of this just well, every second of her life. <laughs> mommy, mommy, mommy. <laughs> mommy, mommy, mommy. Well, what is that? Ruby is calling upon her mommy. It's that simple. Asking and receiving. Do you know of all the scripture and all the Bible and of all the complication of salvation that mankind tries to make it to be, there's one account in the Bible of somebody getting saved that, that's just as crystal clear and plain as possible. There were two men in church. Two men in church. One guy was self-righteous, perfectly clothed, and he stood and prayed and said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this publican over here. I thank you that I tithe twice in the week, and I'm, I'm perfect and upright, and I smell good. I got deodorant on, and I got perfume on, and jewelry, and God, I'm so glad I'm not like all these wicked sinners. But then on the rebellious side of the church, I'm not going to point to which side that was, there was another guy. And the Bible says that he smote his chest and said, Have mercy on me. And you know, Jesus Christ said, One of these men went away justified. And I'll let you guess which one it was. Was it the pride man that said, I'm a pretty good guy. I don't need nothing. Or was it the guy that said, I got baptized down the river. Or was it the one that said, I belong to Harvest Baptist Church? Or was it the one that said, I don't stink. I can get to heaven on my own good deeds and my own good works. Or was it the one that realized that he was a sinner and asked God for mercy and forgiveness? I'm pretty sure it was that guy. I'm pretty sure it was the guy that realized and humbled himself and bowed his heart before God and asked to be saved. I'm, I know you want to know how I know that? Because I was that guy. I realized that I had sinned and come short of the glory of God. I realized that I could do nothing to merit salvation. And I realized that God gave the most valuable, precious thing he had for me. And if that doesn't make you feel important, I, you better get a grip on salvation. Because you have way better than you deserve. Let's bow our heads and pray. We're going to have, we don't often do, 